Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Brave Girls Gather B1 Study Podcast. Hi. That's my brave girl, and you're listening to episode three, the teaching from the study content for week two. So I wanted to start by showing you a video, and I'm going to set it up for you just so you can kind of know what you're looking at. For Christmas, my eight-year-old daughter made us a list, as she does each year, of exactly what she wants for Christmas. And so we proceed to get you know, several of the things that she wants, and we get them wrapped, and we start putting them under the tree. And what's kind of difficult about it is every time we would put a gift out there, she would tell us what it was. She knew the packaging. Well, we waited to put her number one gift out until like the week of Christmas. But the reason why, one of the reasons why we waited is we didn't want her to know, and we knew as soon as we put it out there, she was going to know. And so my husband came up with this idea to wrap something else to the box, to confuse her. And so I thought she's way too smart for that. She's going to totally know what we did. And we wrapped it and we put it under the tree and she had no idea what it was. And she just could not figure it out. She just had no clue what this thing could be. And she walked around loathing that we did not get her the number one thing on her list. How dare we as parents, who are we? to not get the number one request. And so this is my daughter opening up the gift on Christmas morning. (laughs) (laughs) And I was reminded of the gift from last week and I was reminded of this video and as I was looking through the material for this week and preparing what to share with you I was reminded again of that video and how just so many times Jesus in his perfect way he has a gift for us and it's just not wrapped the way that we thought it was going to be wrapped and so we have a hard time but if we would just hold on You know, the title for this week's lesson is Jesus is Better. Jesus is Better. And you have a handout there at your tables. And it just so happens that a week and a half ago, I was going to a CVS. Actually, it wasn't a week and a half ago. It was exactly two weeks ago. Um, I was going to a CVS to grab some chocolate for you guys, right? I was going to grab some chocolate. And it was actually the night before uh, our Thursday night. It was kind of late, and I told my husband, i got to go buy chocolate for tomorrow. And so I ran up to the CVS, and I'm in line at CVS, and I'm the only one in line, actually. And the woman wants to help me out because there's some clearance Valentine's Day candy. And so she sees that I'm buying this expensive bag of candy. She's like, hold on, wait a second. She's going to help me out. I did not buy you guys clearance chocolate, just so you know. I didn't take her offer. But while she was gone, this guy walks up to me. He walks up behind me, and he looks at me, and he says something like, what's up? I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? And he says, I kid you not, he says, you mess with that Xanax? And I said, what? What did you say? And he said, do you mess with that Xanax? I said, no, no, I don't mess with that Xanax. I mess with Jesus, and he is so much better than Xanax. You need, you know what you need? You don't need that Xanax. You need you some Jesus. That is what you need. And he looked at me, he said, he said, are you for real? (laughs) I said, yes. Yes, I'm for real. He said, he said, he said, if, you, if you're for real, I'm feeling that. 
I'm feeling that if you're for real. I said, well, I am for real. You need some Jesus. He just had no idea. And I love it because I had, I had went rollerblading with my daughter earlier. And I had on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops and my hair like pulled up, you know, all messy. And so he just didn't even know what he was about to find himself in when he asked me. And so I also kind of felt like as a mom of an adult son, I kind of felt like your mom was praying for you. She is praying for you because you tapped on the wrong woman's shoulder asking her if she wanted to mess with that. So just had to share that with you guys. Right there, no one is greater than Jesus. No one is better than Jesus. No one is higher. That's your first feeling. No one is higher than Jesus. And what that means, you can kind of write it over to the side if you want. He is sovereign and over all things. So the fill in the blank is higher, but what I really want you to grasp is he is sovereign and over all things. Capital A-L-L, all things. In chapter 1 of Hebrews, as it opens up, the writer of the Hebrews begins to make an argument about why the angels are not higher than Jesus. You see, during that time, they held angels in very high regard. And some people still do today. But they held the angels in very high regard. And they they held the prophets of old in high regard. And so there was some type, we can gather that there was some type of argument that is Jesus higher than the angels. And the writer of Hebrews is going to just lay it all out. And he is going to show us, as he showed them, that they are not even in the same category. They're not even close. He's going to make his argument. In verse 2, it says, In these final days, and we're in Hebrews, on your handout, I didn't put all the scripture we're going to look at because most of it's going to be Hebrews 1 and 2. So if you want to follow along, if you open your Bible to Hebrews 1 and 2, you can follow along. If you don't have an actual Bible, you can open your phone uh, on Sunday mornings. My phone is my Bible. If that's the way that you you use the Bible, please pull it up and and follow along if you desire. But in verse 2, it says, In these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son, God has promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe, just as we talked about last week. Jesus was there in the beginning, and he has an inheritance, and we are his inheritance. We are his inheritance. Isn't that a neat thought? Because he is our inheritance. He is what we get. Heaven is what we get. But we are also his inheritance promised to him by God. It's why he did it. It's why he came. It's why he died. Because he wanted his gift. He wanted his inheritance. There's an old song that says, I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Verse 3, it says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Jesus When he walked the earth, embodied who God is. He was a picture for us to see. I still hear it today sometimes. I even feel that way sometimes. I wish like God would just be a person right now that I could talk to, that I could see. And Jesus was that person. He was the person that we could see, and he's the person that we can now talk to. And if you declare Jesus as Lord, you carry Jesus with you. And so sometimes you get to be Jesus to somebody else. And I've experienced that in my own life when someone literally became the hands and the feet and the ears and the mouth of Jesus to me. You see, the world, when the world was broken, God's plan was to send his character to earth for us to see it. He's the light of the world. He, he radiates God's glory. 
Verse number three, there in the middle, it says, he sustains everything by the power of his command, his command, his words. And in John chapter one, it says that Jesus is the word. It's literally like these pages came to life inside of a person. When we're reading these words, we are being sustained. He sustains all things. Colossians 1.17 says, all things, it's on your handout, all things hold together in Christ. He holds everything together. That's why we can say that he takes the broken pieces and he pulls them back together because everything is sustained in him. And that's why it's so important that we hold this book in such high regard and that when we go to this book that we don't just see ourselves as reading a book, but we are literally holding Jesus in our hands. Uh, I went to the beautiful conference. Uh, Bianca was there and sat with me and Michelle was there. And one of the speakers talked about in, in the breakout session, she talked about our time with Jesus. And she said, and it was meaningful to Bianca and myself. And she said, what if um, you looked at your time with Jesus, like when you get up in the morning and you're like kind of Bible is sitting over in a special spot, if it has one, or the spot where you know that you're going to sit and spend this time, if you actually pictured Jesus sitting there. And so when the phone got your attention or the kid cried, you could literally think of it as walking away from time with Jesus. And so if you had to walk away because it was a child, how much more urgent might you be willing to get back when you can? If you have young children, I I understand that. But there's so many things that can grab our attention. It could be a thought. It could literally just be a thought. Maybe I'm hungry and I need my coffee and I just go to make the coffee and then I start to eat and then somebody needs me or my phone rings or I pick up and I get lost in Facebook. So I wanted to share that. I wanted to bring that from the conference and just, bam, drop it right here. Okay, he sustains everything by the power of his command. Everything is holding together in him. And in the last part of verse 3, it says that this is such a good verse. I literally feel like we could just talk about this one verse all night, but we're not going to. We're going to just move through it. Uh, the, The last part of verse 3, it says, When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. He sat down. I think that when we think of Jesus, very often we talk about he died and he rose again, but we don't go to that extra level, but he sat down. And as we talked about at our table tonight, it means that he took his place back. So he was in his place, he left his place, he conquered it, and he went up and he sat down in the place of honor. And guess what? We are seated in him. Ephesians 2, 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. This means that we are in him, he is in us, and therefore we are there with him right now. Right now we're here, but we're also there with him and everything that is his belongs to us, including his victory, his victory over death, his victory over sin. We get to walk in victory and the freedom that he secured for us. But there's a now and not yet aspect to our faith because we're not fully there yet. He's there and he's here in us, but we have not fully met again and we will. Verse 4, because he's seated, he's seated in the spot of victory. He's seated on the throne. Because he is seated on the throne, this shows us that he is far greater than the angels. He's sitting in the highest place of honor in heaven. And so then you have 
from verses 5 through 13, the writer of Hebrews is just going to go on and on with more reasons, and he's going to talk about the name that God calls Jesus, which is far greater than what he calls the angels. In verse 5, God calls him son. And at the end of chapter 2, we're going to get there in just a minute, we're going to learn that we are also his children, over which Jesus is the firstborn. We are God's children. Jesus is the firstborn. He went first. He showed us how it was done. In verse 6, it says the angels worship the Son. Jesus is not here to serve and worship angels. The angels are here to serve and worship him. And I really love how it says that they are here to minister to us. They're his servants to minister to us. It's very plausible that there are angels right here tonight with us. It wouldn't be unbiblical to say that. Do you think about that? I think about that when I yell at my kids. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Because <laughs> the Bible says they get a guardian angel. So better watch out. You're talking to your kids. Verse 8 says he's seated on the throne. We talked about that. Verse 9 says he rules. He rules with a scepter of justice, hating what is evil. He loves what is good and he hates what is evil. How many times have you asked or heard someone else ask, if God is real, then why does evil exist? Okay, it exists because of brokenness. God hates it. He hates evil. It's the brokenness of the world. We talked about it last week. It's when we don't follow God's design. Every single sin, every single pain that you have felt, every single wound that has been inflicted upon you is the result of someone breaking God's design through sin. That's where evil comes from. The evil in our own hearts when we hurt somebody, it comes from sin. It doesn't come from God. And God hates it. And so he sent Jesus to fix it. And we carry Jesus. So we get to be part of his plan to fix it here on earth. Verse 9, God calls him God. God calls Jesus God. We could just get into the whole theological argument of the Trinity right now, but we're not going to. But if anyone ever questions it, just send them there. Hebrews 1.9, God calls Jesus God. Verse 10, he laid the foundation of the earth with his hands. And verse 11 and 12, he remains forever. You always remain the same. He always remains the same. And the end of this verse just kills me when I think about it. It says, you fold them up. They wear out like old clothing. The earth, it wears out like old clothing. In the end, when Jesus returns, it's going to be like taking this garment and he's just going to fold up the earth and say, it's done. It's finished. But he's going to be a lot more neat about it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Is that not a mind-blowing thought that he's that powerful and he's that sovereign that he's just going to fold the earth up like an old garment and just put it to the side? Do we think about these things? No, no one else can declare that. The angels can't declare it. The prophets of old can't declare it. No power, no authority can declare anything that we just declared about who Jesus is. And so therefore, we must listen carefully. That is your second fill in the blank. We must listen carefully. And it's almost like the reader of Hebrews interrupts the broadcast because he's about to go right back into his argument as to why Jesus is bigger and better and greater and higher than the angels. But first, he's gonna, just going to stop the program. It's like an infomercial. Just so you know, listen carefully. You must listen carefully, chapter 2, verse 1. To the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Have you ever been at the beach? Especially as a kid, your parents are on the shore. 
you're on the raft and you're just having fun and then all of a sudden you look out where'd your parents go right I don't know where they go oh they're like way down there and then your mom comes running down the beach screaming at you like you did something wrong and you were just being a kid you're just having fun well sometimes we can just kind of be like a kid just kind of having fun here and not paying attention and we don't have an active faith we don't realize that the tide is pushing us unless we push against it unless we continually recenter ourselves on home base jesus Verse 2, for the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself? If the Israelites, they got the angels and they got the prophets to tell them who God was, but we get Jesus. We get God who came to earth in the form of a man and showed us who God is, and told us what salvation is. How much greater, how much more should we listen and respond to this message? Verse 5, and furthermore, it is not the angels who will control the future world we are talking about. The when he folds up the earth, there's going to be a future world. He is our future hope. That day is coming where we will meet Jesus. Verse 8, you gave him authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing was left out. Not a single one of your problems was left out. God, Jesus, has the authority over everything. And then there's that, this now and then this not yet. Because it says that he doesn't have, the full authority hasn't taken place because we still see evil. Free will is still at play in the world. And so if evil still exists and God is sovereign, then he hasn't taken full control yet. He's left free will in man. And so sin still has the ability to get into the world and impact our lives. But there is a day coming where Jesus is going to come again. Verse 9, because he suffered death, he is now crowned with glory. That's a crown. That's why I brought it. And you're going to see another reason I brought it soon. Okay, the life and death of Jesus did not end At the cross, it ended with a crown on the throne, back in his rightful place, ruling over all things, in us, giving us the ability to bring him into the brokenness, into the darkness, into the places that break our hearts. Jesus, he took on, so I just want you to understand what Jesus did. I want you to think about it for a minute. He was in heaven. Life was a party, maybe, right? It was good. It was comfortable. You know, he was king, and he said, I, at my father's command, I'm going to go, and I'm going to enter into the brokenness. I'm going to enter into the mess. I'm going to take on flesh, and he could have came as a man. He could have just shown up on the scene, and people would be like, who's that? Oh, it's Jesus. No beginning, no end, but no, he came as a baby, demonstrating his sovereignty, right? Because who can be born, live the life that they need to live and die and raise again? Who? Nobody but God. But I also feel that in that, in Jesus being born as a baby and dying as a man, he was just touching so many places that we experience today with his story, right? The gift of a child, a hurting mother watching her son who would suffer. He was homeless. He was an immigrant. He had a father, he had a brother, he had friends. 
He lived so many things. He touched so many things. And I think those are some things that should matter to us. I don't think they were accidents. I don't think they were kind of like, I think we'll do this plan. I think that God knew everything that he was doing and he was intentional about every single piece of it. And then, he, so he left heaven and he came to earth and he was born a baby and he died a man. So we're keeping the cross theme here. Do you see it? Heaven, earth, baby, man, right? And he covered it all. He covered it all. There's a verse in the Bible that says, how wide, how high, how deep is the love of God? And he demonstrated that through the life and death and resurrection and seatedness of Jesus Have you guys ever heard of the four-mile phenomenon? Roger Bannister? No? In 1954, Roger Bannister ran a four-minute mile. Before he did it, everybody said he couldn't do it. Everybody said that's impossible to run a four-minute mile. But he did it. And guess how many people have done it since? Over 1,600. There's something about someone doing something that makes us feel like we can do it too. And I think that that's part of what God was demonstrating through Jesus because he was fully God, but it wasn't like just like God came to earth as God. He fully took on human skin. He fully took on humanness and he stood against temptation and he didn't take anything from the earth. He didn't have his meal now. He lived for something greater his entire life and then he gave his life away. He suffered and he died and then he gave his life away. And that's just so God of him. And so many times, we want this, we want that, we want to do this, we want to do that. Well, what did Jesus do? And some things he gives us, he wants us to delight, but he delighted in the things of his Father with everything that he did. And those are the things that give us true joy. Everything he did, he did it for us. He did it for us. So how could we not give everything back to him if he was willing to give everything to us? Verse 15, if you jump ahead to verse 15, it says, Only as a human could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free. You are set free. He set us free from the lies and from the belief that death has us. And he set us free from the sins and the temptations that come against us. He conquered them. He stood against them, and he set us free from them. And you know, if we fear death, we live for today. Like if we're afraid of dying, we're going to take everything we can from this earth because death isn't good, and this is all we get. But if we know what we truly get is beyond this life, we will live for eternity. So Jesus wanted to show us that. I conquered death. You ain't got to fear it. And I've got something so much better for you. You're seated right here with me in heaven, and we're going to meet there. And it's going to be awesome. He tasted death so we could taste heaven. In verse 11, it says, jumping back to verse 11, God did it to bring many children into glory. Many children into glory. It's why he did it. It says that we have the same father as Jesus. Jesus calls us brothers and sisters So we also have one another. But if we are brothers and sisters with Jesus and God calls us children, then that makes us, I'm going to try to put this on. I might embarrass myself, but I'm going to try. That makes us royalty. And I just wonder, I wonder if we walk around 
like we wear a crown. You know, my kids, I'm a homeschool mom. They go to school twice a week. Hallelujah. Thank goodness for Walmart Academy. But we've been talking about the kings of the Middle Ages. Is it straight? That's Jesus. That's Jesus right there. He wants you to see this. Okay, so we've been studying the kings of the Middle Ages, and it was very dangerous to be a king in the Middle Ages because everybody wanted to be king. So if you were king, you better watch out because somebody was going to try to come and kill you so they could claim their right to the throne. It was a big deal. And so I often have these pictures of thinking about what it must have been like to live during that time to be the queen or to be the princess, you know, to be the royalty. So I've been having these visions in my head. And so as I was reading through this, and I'm, I'm thinking about royalty, and I put a verse there on your handout, 1 Peter 2, 9, which just so happens to be the verse for Brave Girls Gather. But you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. If you remembered that you were royalty when you woke up tomorrow, how might it change the way you approach the day? If you were to realize that you have the king of heaven within you and he has given you authority on earth, how might it change the way that you view your problems? I think sometimes we need a visual and that's why I do this. I want you to have this visual, this visual of silly me wearing a crown up here so that you can remember tomorrow and the next day that you wear an invisible crown that you are royalty, and approach your day like that. Approach your children like that. Approach, and not in a prideful way now, okay? There's a difference. Last semester, we talked about Sarah the princess, like the princess, like the whiny princess, and then Sarah the princess that God made her as a mother. It's like a motherly royalty that we get to care for God's things. And so, but if we think about it that way versus feeling defeated, right? feeling like, I can't win, I'm not good enough, this problem's too big, oh my goodness, I just can't, it's too hard, when is it going to stop, how much more effective would we be? I have a really good friend, she actually is one of the writers of this study, and she's, she's been going through a hard situation, and she just told me today that she just had this aha she was looking at, in this particular situation, she was looking at the negative, and she was missing the good. She was looking at this hard place, and she was missing this good place that God was giving her. The gift. The gift. God has good gifts. The Bible says that God is a good father. He knows how to give good gifts. If you know how to give good gifts, don't you think he knows how? It's just not wrapped the way we thought it was going to be wrapped. It looks different. And so she was sharing that, and I I told her, I'm talking about that tonight. God doesn't miss it. And we're running out of time. So I'm going to jump here to the end. Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are also sisters in this room. When Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father, the church was born. And we're sitting in this room together. We are family. Your last fill in the blank. We receive a family. There's probably some hard stories in this room. It's very likely that every one of you have had someone in your family who let you down. I have too. And Yuma and I, once a month, we go to a foster home, a teen foster girl home, and we sit around with a bunch of girls who've had really tragic things happen to their families, haven't we? And if you want to do that, come see me. We're looking for people who want to do that too. And it is one of the most specialist times, a specialist a word, I don't know, most special times in my life. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. And the last time we were there, when we left, I told Yuma that There was one point, about three-fourths of the way into our conversation. It's so simple. It's stupid what we do. We just take in conversation cards and talk. 
I felt like I needed to take off my shoes that I was sitting on holy ground. That Jesus had a message for them and the message really was about how Yuma and I have experienced tragedy and trauma in our families, but how sometimes family doesn't look the way that we thought it was gonna look. I wear this ring on my finger. I have a Colombian sister and I have an African-American sister because my stepdad adopted an African-American by his word sister when she was about 18 years old she was his waitress and he would just frequent this restaurant and sit down and she would serve him and then she would start sitting down and my dad's just like that I call him dad he is my technically my stepdad by the world standards but he is my dad and God put it on his heart before she ever told him that she was going to ask him to be her father and over time of sitting down and talking she asked him and he said yes this was several years ago And then my father remarried a couple years ago. He married a Colombian woman, and now I have a Colombian sister. And they all love Jesus. And at Christmas time, we got together, and my dad and my stepmom gave us these rings, and they said, you are sisters. You are sisters. You may not have been born of the same mother and the same father, but you're sisters, and we want to mark it. We want to give you a ring. And I wear this ring, and I have a spiritual mom. I've told you about her. So... Family doesn't always look the way that we thought it was going to look. Life doesn't always look the way that we think it's going to look. And those are the things that make us forget that we wear a crown because they hurt. But Jesus has written a different story. He speaks a better word over it all. He is better. He's better than the Xanax. Maybe you turn to the Xanax. I don't know your story. I've turned to a few things. He's better. He's so much better. Let's pray. Father God, Abba, you are our...